0: Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now how big a problem is uncertainty for you? Uncertainty about health, uncertainty about the future, When there are areas of uncertainty in our lives, as there surely will be, we should allow ourselves to feel a sense of security about the certainty that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us about heaven itself. Now, many people have a very vague notion that when they die that they will be in some place like heaven. You hear people on the TV talk about it all the time. They will speak about a loved one that has passed away, and they say something that they are looking down on me now. People who would never have claimed to be religious, they will never ever have been to a church or know anything about Christianity, but they still have that vague opinion that there is a good place to where their loved ones have gone, and presumably they believe that they will go there too. The Christian message doesn't offer non-Christians that possibility. In fact, the Christian message would remove any sense of false hope, not to deprive anyone of the hope of heaven but to help people see how they can secure entry into heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no person comes to the Father except through me. Now, of course, there are many voices today who will question the existence of God and the existence of of heaven. They believe that this life is All that there is, and that when they die, that that will bring their existence to an end. But yet there is quite a large number of people who instinctively feel that there has to be some kind of giving of an account for how we have lived our lives. This is especially so when they think of tyrants who have taken thousands of lives They feel that a sense of natural justice would demand that there has to be a day of reckoning, a time and a place to give an account of our behavior in this life. But for the Christians, we believe in the certainty of heaven. Why? Because God's word is. tells us so. Now at my 60th birthday party, one of my relatives who is a few years older than me patted me on the back and, and said, Happy birthday. And then he said, But you do realize that for both of us, we're well over halfway already. I have cheerful relatives like that. When I was younger... I had a certain way of thinking about heaven. Heaven was a vast place where angels, Old Testament believers and New Testament believers, they were all gathered singing and praising God. And most of those people were strangers to me. Now, as I have built my library over the many years, many of those authors that I have on my bookshelves they, those people are now in heaven. I have a set of 38 volumes of the works of the church, early church fathers written centuries ago. Those people are all in heaven. I have books that were written hundreds of years ago. Many of those authors were dead even before I was born. So as I work my way along my bookshelves, there are thousands of those authors, people that are now in heaven. But the older I get, my thinking about heaven changes. Because heaven is being populated with more and more people that I know. When I was a child, I had my grandparents... My uncles, my aunts, my cousins, my brother, my father. But now heaven is no longer a place full of strangers for me. I have friends and family members there. People that I once knew. And I think the older that we become, the more and more people that we once knew, they're in heaven. My mother is in her 90s. All of her siblings have gone. Her mother and father, gone. She lost two husbands, gone. She lost a son. Many, many people that she once knew are now in heaven. And actually the people that she knows now, that circle is getting smaller and smaller as more and more people die, many of them going to be with the Lord. So thoughts of heaven as we get older are probably more and more in our minds. I told you a couple of times about my friend in Northern Ireland after his wife died, I went to see him and he said, John, he says, my bags are packed and I'm ready to go home. He went home to be with the Lord on New Year's Eve. I spoke with his daughter and I told her exactly what he had said. And she says, yes, that would be typical of the kind of thing my dad would say. And he really meant it. He was a godly man. Heaven held comfort for him. Heaven held certainty for him. And heaven should be a comfort to us, but it also should be a place of interest to us, because that is our destiny. Heaven is also the place where Jesus left to come to this earth. He said in John chapter 6 and verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus also reminds us that heaven is the place where God the Father is. You recall how Jesus taught us to pray. You should pray, our Father in heaven. When Jesus had finished the work of redemption, he went back to heaven. The writer to the Hebrews says the main point of what we are saying is this, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Now, the word heaven is used in three different ways in the Bible. It's used to refer to the atmosphere, the sky, the clouds. We talk sometimes about the heavens opening with torrential rainfall. The psalmist also speaks about the heavens meaning the starry skies then heaven itself is the place where God's presence is most manifest. Just as the atmosphere is a place and the stars are in a place, so heaven, as the place where God dwells, it is a real place. Now we say God is a spirit, so we might wonder how he occupies any place. But Jesus has become a man, and he will be a man for all eternity. In eternity, we will have physical bodies like the glorious, perfect body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people raise the issue of why we can't see heaven. They speak of the very powerful telescopes that we have where we can see stars and planets at incredible distances away from the earth, and they say they have not spotted heaven. They actually speculate that when Jesus, when when the Bible says that Jesus ascended up into the clouds, that if the Lord Jesus Christ moved at the speed of light, starting in A.D. 30, that he would not yet have reached as far as we can see today by telescope. But why would Jesus want to travel so slowly? How long did it take for the angels to get from heaven to earth at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a question that I can't give an answer to. But because we don't know all things, that doesn't mean that we don't know some things And Jesus said, here is something for you to know. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So we have it on the word of the one who created this world, and I am going to accept what he says rather than giving too much credence to people who are still very far behind in their understanding of what God has created. Heaven is not just a place. Jesus says it's a place for you. If people are going somewhere in a car to something that's exciting and they tell you there's a place for you. If there's an invitation that goes out and they tell you there's a place for you. That's comforting that someone has thought of you, that someone has counted you in, and that there is a place for you. And how encouraging these words are that the Lord Jesus Christ has spoken. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I have a place for you. It's nice to know that it's home, an eternal home. There are not many details in the Bible describing what heaven is like. It actually has a lot more to say about what it's not like and what's not there. But most importantly, when we think of heaven, we can think of it as a place for you. When a believer dies their spirit goes to be with Christ, which Paul says is better by far. When Jesus comes back again in the second coming, then believers who have died in the Lord, they will be reunited with their resurrected body, and after the final judgment, we will be united with Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Our eternal existence Will not be away up there, it will be down here upon earth in an entirely renewed creation where we will live with God forever. Isaiah the prophet tells us See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind as the new heavens and the new earth that I will, en- I will endure before me, declares the Lord. The Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 2, 3 verse 13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. You see, Abraham is going to have his promise fulfilled. He's going to get the land along with us in the new heavens and the new earth. John in the book of Revelation says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. He speaks of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He hears a voice saying this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Nothing is going to stop that from taking place. The Church of England may make whatever laws that they want. It's not going to interrupt this. We will be his people. And God will be our God. During the time before the second coming of Jesus, Jesus, the place where God dwells, is referred to as heaven. Peter tells us that Jesus has gone back to heaven. He has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. When Stephen was being stoned to death, Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. In a day to come, after the second coming of Christ, the new heaven will be joined with the new earth. The location of heaven is unknown to us, and we cannot perceive its existence by our natural senses. Yet we are told that heaven is the place where God is. And you know why we may not know a lot of the detail of what's going to be in heaven, God the Father is there. Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer, is there. And we are going to be with him. In addition to a renewed heaven, God will make a new earth, as we've already seen from 2 Peter. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. What a place where there is no sin, where there is no failure, where there is no weakness, where there is no corruption. A place where righteousness dwells. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, every thought that you think, every word that you say, every action that you will perform, it will be altogether righteous. Because there is where righteousness dwells. Now the earth, of course, will be significantly changed. In Romans 8, Paul tells us, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. You see, back at creation, when God created male and female, he created us in the image of God. God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God was in an eternal relationship not needing to create angels or humans in order to have fellowship or in order to have someone to love because there was fellowship and there was love and that was complete within the triune god but god created us in his image he created us in 3 to have 3 relationships He created us to be in relationship with himself. He created us to be in relationship with one another. And he created us to be in relationship with this world. When Adam sinned, that relationship with God was spoiled. When Adam sinned, that relationship that we have with one another. We talk about man's inhumanity to man. That relationship was spoiled. That's why we find it difficult to get on with each other. That's why there is conflict in our world. Because sin has spoiled that relationship that we have with one another. And of course the relationship that we have with the earth has been spoiled. We exploit its resources. We damage what we have been given and are supposed to look after but the lord jesus christ he is redeeming that relationship that we have with god he is redeeming that relationships that we have with one another and in heaven those relationships will be perfect there will be no misunderstanding there will be no abuse there will be nothing to spoil And of course, in Christ, through the cross, Christ is redeeming the relationship that we have with this earth, when he will redeem this earth in the new heavens and in the new earth. Now the question has always been asked, a debate between the Lutherans and Reformed writers going back over many centuries. The question is asked, will God completely destroy this earth and then recreate out of nothing the earth, or will he redeem and renew this earth? Now, there are some verses that appear to suggest an entirely new creation. The writer to the Hebrews quotes from Psalm 102 and says, in the beginning, Lord, You led the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. Again, in Hebrews chapter 12. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is the created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. With a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be led bare. John in Revelation says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who's seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Again in Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Our opinion is divided. Is it a complete replacement or is it a renewal and a recreation? I personally prefer the idea that God redeems the creation And the passages that speak of shaking and removing the earth and of the first earth passing away, that we can see that as the passing away in its present form. Not as an annihilation of its existence, but a work of redemption. We see that in Romans chapter 8, that the creation is groaning, waiting for the redemption of our bodies because sin has blighted This creation. But whatever procedure God uses, the result will be the new heavens and the new earth. And that will be perfection. God will be satisfied with the new heavens and the new earth. And all God's people will be satisfied and fulfilled with what God has done. Our resurrected bodies will be part of the renewed creation. In the new heavens and in the new earth, there will be a place and activities for our resurrected bodies. These bodies will never grow old or become weak or ill. There will be no mental incapacity. The former things will pass away. There will be no imperfections of any kind. God perfects the fallen creation in the new heavens and the new earth. God again will pronounce that the creation is good and that redeemed mankind is very good. The writer to the Hebrews considers a state of things which are not yet subject to human rule. It is not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Eventually, everything in the world will be subject to mankind under the rulership of King Jesus Christ. And in that sense, under Christ, we will inherit the earth. We will reign over the earth and God will be our God and we will be his people. That's a theme that runs from Genesis to Revelation. I will be your God and you will be my people. John says that he saw a vision, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is the lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, For now we see only as a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now, that does not mean that the people of God are ever going to be omniscient. We're not going to know everything. We will know in a fuller and in a more intense way. We will know without making mistakes. We will know without having misconceptions. But since the Lord is infinite, we can never exhaust his greatness. The psalmist could say, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We will always be finite. Finite creatures in the presence of an infinite God. And because the finite is in the presence of the infinite, there's always going to be more to learn. We can expect to go on learning more about God and about God's relationship with His creation. We will continue the process of learning that has begun down here on earth. But then in heaven, we will have that increased capacity to learn and to know and to never forget what we learn. The new creation will not be timeless, but will include an unending succession of moments where every one of those moments will be precious. The book of Revelation tells us that there is no night there, and that the tree of life will yield its fruit. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Each fruit will mark its season. That thought of heaven should give us certainty. It should give us hope. It should focus that destiny upon our hearts and minds, And inspire us to lay up treasure in heaven. Because the treasure that we gain and acquire here will disappear. But that treasure in heaven will never disappear. And it will be for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many uncertain things. The uncertainty... Of the economy in this country, the uncertainty of the workplace, the uncertainty of what laws the government might bring in. Many, many uncertainties. But here is one thing that is sure and steadfast. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I go. To prepare a place for you. A place for you. May that hardness. When I stand in glory. I will see his face. And there I'll serve my king forever. In that holy place. Christ makes that possible. Christ makes that certain. A place for you is not good to know, is not good to treasure. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that the gospel is so personal, that Christ's promise is so personal. I go to prepare a place for you. Lord, we pray that you will lift our hearts to think of that place and to commit ourselves to live with hope of this great certainty that Christ has revealed to us so that our hearts will not be troubled as we face many uncertainties. Help us, we pray, for Christ the Savior's sake. Amen. And let's sing to